Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. So this is my prayer partner, my number one intercessor, and this is how I fight my battles. She's going to pray for me, and she's going to greet you and pray for you too, maybe. It's so wonderful to be here, to be with our friends who we love so very, very much. And when he goes to talking, he just awakens all of your past memories. Everything has come alive. I mean, just like we just closed the book yesterday and opened it back up today. But it's just so wonderful. And to be in your worship, it's got a all-around beat. I mean, you can get any beat out of it that you need to get. Hallelujah. So we thank the Lord for that. It's just a privilege to be here. And, of course, I, I tell my husband he's the best preacher that I've ever heard. Hallelujah. And, uh, but I've taught him everything he knows, you know. <laughs> So, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we celebrate our bishop this morning and the word that's in his heart for us today, knowing that you have planted it there, and we are willingly ready to receive it. So we want to give you praise and thanksgiving for loving us so much, and we bless you, Bishop, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Josh and Pastor Karen, it is so good to be with you. We've been here several times and uh, looked like we might have had several opportunities to be here, but we missed all of them. And so in coming this time, I just said, I am not going to Florida again without letting Josh know I'm going to be in town. So I'm here and I hope that he feels like it's worth it. There are, there are a number of things going on in, in the world right now. Um, is there a clock that I can see? All right. And w- when, when am I supposed to sit down? At what point? <laughs> Just, no, that won't work. I'm, no, I'm, I need, I need, I need, I have, I have ADD, so you're telling, great. All right, 1045. What a joy to be in the house of the Lord. I was sitting there, and uh, I just had this word in my spirit. I've had it several times, but it was, uh, it was a, a, a passage from Second Kings that I heard for the first time when Barbara preached from it. And, uh, and she, she talked from this passage, and her title was, The Place Where You Are is Limited. And I heard the Lord say that to me to tell you that the place where you are is limited and there has to be a moment in your life when you just say God I want to holler but it's the town is too small did you ever hear that that song it's an old song probably before you were born just and maybe not in the church of God where you would have heard it (laughs) 
But you are in a time of stretching. You're in a time of growth. And sometimes growth doesn't look like it when you're looking at the wrong things. But if you'll open your heart to God and just simply say, you said the place where we are is limited. Say that to him. You said the place. I want you to show me my next step. Come on, show us. Say, I want you to show us your next step. Great. All right. I don't want to. I don't know. Lose my focus here. Would you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 7, Isaiah chapter 7? This particular text is coming from the NIV, the New International Version. And, um, and the reason I'm reading it from is because it was that this particular text that God used to speak to me. Um, we were in Mobile, Alabama from 1977 to 1984. Our kids went through high school. They, they did marvelously well in that setting. And um, our three sons were with us at the time. We had six children, but they weren't all with us at the same time. Uh, my children from a previous marriage were with their mom most of the time. So we lived in Mobile, and these guys were, were incredible. But one of them, uh, he began to get adjusted in his life. And so I want to talk about, about that. But before I, before I do it, I need to tell you a little parable. There is in the Jewish community someone called a matchmaker, and her name is Rivki, Rivki. Rivki had been looking for a wife for a guy by the name of Laser, whose nickname was Laser the Ugly Butcher. And uh, he was ugly. I mean, there's just no question about it. it was, you can't say homely. You, this guy, have you ever heard the guy said, he said, when I see you, darling, um, time stands still. What he's really saying is that your face will stop a clock. So the, the, the point was, Rivki had been looking diligently for, and so, so Lanza thought she'd just come in to buy some meat at his butcher shop. And she says, no, no, no. She says, I've got good news for you. I have found a bride for you. And uh, warm water, please. Warm water. <clears throat> That's okay. So she said, I found a bride. He says, for me, a bride for Laser? She said, yes, Laser She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. And she showed him a picture. And, and he said, she's beautiful. She said, I told you, she's beautiful, Laser. And, and he said, there's one other thing she said to him. And she's rich. She's beautiful and she's rich. And she wants to marry Laser the Ugly Butcher. She says, yes. He said, she must be crazy. She said, well, you can't have everything. All right. I want you to know in God, there may look like a moment when you got everything, and, um, and you do, but you just have to figure out which part of the everything you want to keep. I've entitled this message, Cognitive Dissonance and Suspended Skepticism. Subtitle, My God's Got This. Listen to the text. When Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king resident of Aram, Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. 
Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. Say to him, and I want you to repeat these phrases. Say to him, be careful. Be careful. Everybody say it. Come on, be careful. Be careful. Keep, be calm. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Do not lose heart. Because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah, Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves. Make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. Say that it will not take place. He says it will not happen. It, for the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. And here's the phrase that I locked in on that day If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand. Come on, let's say it together. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand. The background of this particular text and my meditation for today is, is based on the reality that when you are serving God, you have all kinds of opportunities to say amen and you say or no man. And... Um, we were in a challenge because our two sons, two of our, our sons, um, they had decided that they had, they had a life and an independence life of their own. They wanted to make choices. And, uh, and so we got into it on a regular basis. I did, we didn't realize that our youngest son had begun to dabble in marijuana and, uh, and we began to see the effects of that. He had anger issues. And uh, he was hanging out with some kids that were improperly suited for his lifestyle and for mine. And so uh, we were having these challenges in which uh, he couldn't understand why I was the guy who made the rules. And he wanted to know why that was. And I said, well, here in this, in this house, we believe in the golden rule. And he said, what does that mean? The one with the gold makes the rules. And I said, I'm making the rules. So... He graduated from high school, came home the day of his graduation. His pupils were dilated. His breath smelled like he'd been drinking, and he had been. And he suggested that he would like to go to a party with one of his friends and, uh, that night. And I said, well, what time does the party start? And he said, about 11. And I said, well, that's too late. For He said, Dad, everybody's going to be there. And I said, well, not everybody. And... Um, <laughs> And that's when the fight started. It really did. The fight started. And that was based upon something that had taken place. And, and so he, he became bellicose, and, and I had to grab him and hold him. And uh, he said, let me go. Let me go. He shouted out. And my wife said, honey, let him go. That's your dream. Because I told her earlier about a dream in which he was standing in our bedroom door and he was looking, he had this fierce, angry countenance, and he was saying, let me go, 
let me go. And so she said, let him go. And from that moment on, uh, he took off, ran away from home, and um, stayed away for a while. And then one day he called and said, uh, can I come and see you? And I said, sure. He says, I'm thinking about going into the military. And I said, you are? He said, yes. I said, um, what branch are you thinking about going in? Now, he lacks discipline. He doesn't like saying yes, ma'am. Doesn't like saying yes, sir. Doesn't like saying anything that speaks of politeness. And so I said, what branch do you want to go in? And he said, I'm going to go in the Marines. <laughs> he, James was telling me a story about going to the Marines. He says, Marines made a man out of him. I said, I got an interesting story about the Marines. And so we, I watched him. He brought his recruiting officer over, and he was telling me how great this kid was and how fine the material he was. And I just said, yeah, and you got him. I was sitting down on the outside, but I was jumping up and down on the inside. He went into the Marines 30 days after he had been there. We got this collect call, and the collect call said, would you accept a, uh, a collect call from Kip? And I said, sure. And I said, hello. He said, hello, sir. I said, how are you doing? He said, sir, I'm doing just fine. I said, how's the Marines? He said, sir, the Marines is great. I said, what time do you get up in the morning? He said, sir, we get up 4 o'clock every morning. Good. And he kept saying, sir, sir. And uh, then I said, would you like to speak to your mother? Sir, I'd be happy to speak to your mom. She got on the phone. Hi, honey. Sir, I'm doing good. I mean, it was like all the things that I had been working on trying to get out of me because I was so concerned that here's a kid who is seeking to destroy the reputation of one of the leaders of a community in Mobile. And I'm thinking, God, I'm doing the best that I can. And if you can't rule over your kids, how can you manage the church of God? And your reputation depends upon that. And I'm having this party. And so this morning of the text, I'm sitting down thinking about all the things that are going on with these guys. And here's what the Lord said. He says, the thing that you are concerned about isn't going to happen. It's not going to take place. The idea that I'm thinking this kid's going to go to hell in a handbasket and all of the other things that were going on. And when I got to this pa particular passage where these phrases says, be careful. Say that, please. Be careful. Keep calm. Be calm. Don't, be Don't be afraid. Do not lose heart. When you're in the middle of a fight and it looks like the fight isn't going your way, it's hard to be careful. It's hard to keep calm. It's hard not to be afraid and to not lose heart. But in the middle of this, I'm listening to these words, and it's, you've read the Bible when a certain passage of Scripture just stands up off the page. You look at it, and you said, I never saw that before. And you, you, what you mean is, I never saw that that way before. And it highlights, it's like the Holy Spirit is bringing something to you. And so I'm reading this text, and as I'm reading it, I get to this passage where it says, it won't happen, it won't take place. But then it says, but if you do not stand firm in your faith, you won't stand at all. And I think we're in a place where God has the capacity to say something to you that doesn't make sense. Have you been to a movie and uh, you're looking at you know, some of the, the, the movies where, where people can change shapes and fly and do all that kind of stuff? And, and you're with somebody who says, ah, that can't happen. And 
something else takes place, and, and some really wonderful magic takes place. And says, oh, that again happened. And what, what you're realizing is that somebody wants to spoil your entertainment. And, but you don't realize that in order for you to enjoy it, you have to suspend your skepticism. You, you can't sit and watch Superman fly because it don't work. Superman can't fly. I know you're thinking he does, but I, I'm saying he doesn't. When, when Muhammad Ali was flying from uh, Netherlands back to the United States, the flight attendant said to him, Mr. Ali, you need to fasten your seatbelt. He says, Superman don't need no suit, no, no seatbelt. She says, Superman don't need no plane. Fasten your seatbelt. So, <clears throat> so Superman doesn't need planes, but you can't enjoy a Superman movie unless you suspend your skepticism. You, got to, you have to accept that, that bugs fly, bugs can change into machines, airplanes can turn into people. All of that takes place in the movie. And you go in and pay t- to see all of that when you're knowing, and that didn't really happen, but <sighs> my heart was racing. Yep. Here's what takes place. God can say something to you in the middle of your worst moment. And it produces something that the psychiatrists call cognitive dissonance or inconsistency. It's, it's the challenge of God saying to me, these two smoldering fire uh, stubs of firewood in the text became my two sons who were seeking to destroy my praise life. And I'm looking at it and I'm realizing my, Barbara and I are praying. We're believing God. What we can't see that down the line, he's going to call us and say, I've given my heart to the, to the Lord. Down the line, he's going to come to Pittsburgh where we are. He's going to become a part of our church. He's going to become an elder in our church. He's going to become a, a prophetic voice in our church. I can't see all of that. And all I can do is hold on to the fact that God said it's going to be okay. It was like God was saying to me, hey, I've got this. Do you you remember in the first Superman movie when Lois Lane was thrown out the building and she's hanging on to something like the 60th floor and and Superman flies up and he grabs and he says, don't worry, Miss Lane, I've got you. And she says, but who's got you? Who's got the God? Who's got the God? Who's got the this that you need to know that God has it in control? So when I'm looking at something that's inconsistent, sometimes the word of God becomes that to me. And I wrote this down so that I could remember it. Eventually, God is going to say something to you that you can't resolve with your rational mind. You will then have to say what you hear so you can see what you said. What's God saying? The place where we are is limited. So you say that. You you know that if the place is limited, then there's got to be something else that's bigger for you. And it's realizing that God's giving you a word to stand on. You're surrounded. You know that? I love the song we were singing coming in. It may look like I'm surrounded. 
but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. I stay focused on the promise that God gave. Elisha was sleeping. His son, his servant woke up early one morning, came outside, and he saw that the whole town was surrounded by an army. And he comes back and he says to Je- he says, uh, sir, we, we have some challenges that we're facing. He says, what is it? He says, it's not good. Come on out. And so Elisha comes out and he looks at him and he says, fear not. Now, that's the worst prophecy you can get when you're not afraid. He said, fear not, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, this man can't see the those, either one of them, because there's a those in the invisible army of the enemy. There's that physical army of chariots, but then there's that demonic army behind them. And then there is the angelic army behind the demonic army and the physical army. I want you to get this because he's saying those angels who are with us are more than those demons who are with them. You're surrounded. And so he's having, he's having a problem because he, he, he said, I just can't see that. I, I just, I can't, I, what, what do you see? I don't see no those. And then Elisha said, open his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he saw chariots of fire surrounding the enemy. The enemy had the whole city surrounded, but God had all of the army surrounded you and I are walking in a matter and a manner of faith and a matter of conviction that God has entrusted to us and he keeps saying to us you got to believe what I'm saying to you you got to hear what I'm saying to you you got to take what I'm saying to you and you got to declare what I'm saying to you you have to say what you hear so you can see what you said say it again you have to say what you hear so you can see what you said. So when Elijah says, I hear the sound of rain. I hear the sound of rain. There's a mighty rain coming. He says, but I don't hear any sound. We'll keep saying it anyway. Say what you hear. Say what God is telling you. Say what, my wife and I were going through a challenge. Uh, we, we, I, I, I used to say we, but she won't take uh, part of that. I was kicked out of a Pentecostal church for preaching on deliverance, a Pentecostal church. And so when I got kicked out, I was really struggling, and uh, I'd been doing pretty good, making a little bit of money traveling and ministering in these churches. And so when all of this happened, I was, I was asked to leave, and, and it was precipitated by something that I read in a book on our honeymoon. 1971. We've been married 50 years. Would you believe it? She says, we have never discussed divorce, but murder has come up several times. And I want you to know, I wasn't the one who said murder, okay? Just, all right. But when we were, we were invited out, we were just married, and I just, we had just prayed this prayer. God, if you're doing anything in the earth, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And he heard that prayer. Yeah. I did not know that he was going to answer it in 30 days. That being part of what God has for you means you've got to, you may have to leave something that God doesn't have for you. I've heard this expression over the number of years. If God opens a door, he shuts a door. If God shuts a door... 
he opens the door, but between the shut door and the open door, there is a hell hallway that you got to work your way through. And we were in the hallway and we were struggling and we were living by faith and didn't know that we were living by faith until one morning I woke up and she was sitting in the kitchen and she had this face that says things are not going well in this faith life. And I said, what's wrong? She says, we don't have any groceries. I said, well, let's just go buy some. She said, we don't have any money. I said, well, just, uh, just uh, uh, make a list, make a list. And so she, she looked at me, and I, I, I can tell you, because I have discernment, <laughs> there was an expression on her face that I'm interpreting. And it said, the expression said, Negro. Did you not hear me say, we don't have any money, so why make out a list? <laughs> she kept the face, but she started writing. While she was writing, I started praying, not out loud, because I had learned to say, well, bless God, amen. You know, when you're facing something, well, you know, we're going over a cliff. Well, bless God, amen. And I was saying that, well, bless God, amen. But on the inside, Bishop, I was praying in tongues. I was, I was going for, I mean, all inside. She couldn't hear that. All she could see was just me moving back and forth. And then I heard her say, okay, I'm done. Now what? I wasn't ready for it. Now what? Or I'm done. And when she said that, the doorbell rang, Pastor Josh. The doorbell rang. Somebody say the doorbell rang. Doorbell rang, and I said, hold on, honey, the doorbell rang. And uh, I go to the door, and there are two ladies standing in the doorway holding two bags of groceries in each arm. And I asked, I asked the most profoundly stupid question. I said, what are you all doing here? And they said, the Lord said to bring you groceries. And I said, Barbara, we've got groceries. True story. I'm not just preaching. This is a true story. And they took the groceries, put them on the table, and I thanked them. They said, we're not done. And I opened the door, and I could see the car filled with grocery bags in the trunk, on the back seats, filled with groceries, and I was too stupid to even help them. I was kind of like that guy Abraham sent looking for his bride, and all he could do was just stand there and watch that lady water ten camels and didn't say anything. Just, and I'm, I'm watching these guys bring the food in, and I hear her howl, and she said, Honey! I said, What? She said, Everything on my list is in these bags. Now, here's what I need you to know. Those ladies lived on the other side of town. They would have had to go to the grocery store and taken at least an hour and a half to get the groceries and then a 45-minute drive to our house. I'm saying to you that before you call, I'll answer. While you are praying, I'll hear from heaven. Some of you don't understand that God has already heard you. He's already believed you. And there's got to be something in you that says, God's got this. God's got this. 
So when I hear words like inflation, recession, stagflation, I keep saying, but God's got this. God's got this. Isaac sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold. God took care of the children of Israel in the land of Goshen while darkness was over in Egypt. It was light in Goshen. When the plagues that were happening to the Egyptians, they didn't happen to the people of God. Some things you're going to have to go through, but there's the, there's a place in God where he wants you to hear. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing, but God's got this. I learned this, I learned this thing because this text says, if you don't stand in your faith, you won't stand at all. And that same word for stand is the word Hebrew word for amen. You've got to look at your situation and amen it. It may not look like it's working, but you've got to say amen anyway. She's writing this list, and I'm just saying, well, bless God, amen. I don't know how, how God is working this. I don't know that God has worked. I don't even know what God is up to. All I know is that when they, when they brought the groceries in, she saw that there were things in the bag that we hadn't asked for because he knew what we were going to need in the days to come. And I heard this little song, when you say amen... When you say amen, when you say amen, when you say amen, it's done. When you say amen, when you say amen, when you say amen, it's over. God's got it. God's got it. You want to know where it is. He says, look, I don't hide things from you. I had things for you. It's, it's you coming to an understanding that, that what I'm embracing in God is that I believe that God has something for us, that there's a better day for the church that's coming. There's an expectation that ought to be in your heart that just simply says, the darker it gets, the brighter the church shines. He's bringing us to a place where he says, I'm pouring out my spirit on a couple of people. How much flesh? All flesh. I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh. So here's what I want you to do. The next person you see that you don't, re you don't recognize, you don't know, just look at them and just say, God, I know what you just said. And that's flesh right in front of me. And I know you're pouring out your spirit on that. How people respond to it is going to have a whole lot to do with what you say when you see it. Getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Testimonies create faith for the future. I want you to look at one New Testament scripture, please. Can you hand me that Bible, babe? And turn to Romans chapter 15. Hurry up. How much time? Three more minutes, right? Are there people back there? Because I can't see them. I just, all right, just, all right, good. Just, right, amen. If you're back there, would you say, oh, not to do this. Hide the lights. Good. Can you hear me? All right, good. Romans 15. Verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for 
our instruction. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Paul is writing to a New Testament church. He's saying to this New Testament church of Gentiles and Jews that the scriptures of the Old Testament were written for your instruction. Do you all understand that God knew that there was going to be a church. He knew that, that there was going to be issues concerning your life and my life. And he also put in the scriptures things that would, would make sense to us and speak to us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. It doesn't just come by hearing. It comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You prayed earlier. You touched your ear and asked God to speak to you. I'm asking God to show you this. Whatever was written. Everybody say whatever. whatever. Now, this isn't whatever, but this is whatever. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Here's what I want you to get. If you're just an American, then you have a limited history. You have a limited lineage. But if you are a believer, then your lineage doesn't stop at 1700. It goes back all the way through the Old Testament. And their story is your story. Their history is your history. God plugged you into Abraham before God even knew there was an Abraham. He chose you. In him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the earth. So I'm not here. When people say, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm American. I am too. But I'm, I'm more than an American. I'm a believer. And this stuff that I'm reading in the Old Testament is part of my history. It's part of my genealogy. I am not just what you're looking at. I am more than that. You are more than this. Now, the moment you embrace all that you are, then all that God has said to all of you becomes yours just as well as theirs. David's story is my story. Isaac's story is my story. Jacob wrestling with the angel, that's my story. Jacob having a problem with his brother, that's my story. It's all your story, but if all you want to do is say, well, that's Old Testament, then you're missing out on a whole lot of who you are. You're plugged in to thousands of years of faithfulness. You're plugged into thousands of years of the goodness of God. God has been good to a lot of people, and all of us are included in that. And when I'm struggling with something, and I'm looking at it, and it doesn't seem to be coming out like it ought to come out, I hear God say something, but don't you remember when David was facing the giant, when he was facing the bear, when he was facing the lion? I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. He says, then face yours. He says, his story is your story. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Your testimony. And people say to me, I'm struggling with my kids. I said, I did too. My son won't behave. And I said, your son won't behave. Why? He said, well, I said, where's his dad? I don't know where his dad is. How big is he? Well, he told me he's not coming to church. And I said, well, do you have a prayer language? She said, yes. I said, do you have a war tongue? She said, what's a war tongue? I said, think of it like this. You remember Celia in the color purple? When she, when she, do, she doesn't do this. She just, her fingers tip a little bit. And she points her finger at that guy, and he shuts up. I said, do your finger like that. Look at your son and say, Kanise kapuya, 
Nenga gayanga. He'll come to church. He'll ask if, should I wear a tie? Where, where, where do I get that? I get that from the weapons of my warfare. Are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. To pulling down a stronghold so that when David says, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to stamp my feet. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to use my language. I'm going to do warfare like you can't do it. Vinnie Mann's a good friend of ours. His kids had been watching a scary movie and, uh, and they screamed, Dad, come on, we can't go to sleep. Something in the room. He comes up and, he, and then he's, he's a warfare guy. He's in heaven now. And he starts praying tongues, violent warfare prayer tongues. And when he finished, he says, how you feel? They said, we, we're okay, Dad. We're okay. And he goes back downstairs. About an hour later, they said, Dad, it's back. It's back. He comes back. And he says, they come against everything in this room that's contrary to the will of God. I bind you. And one of his kids says, no, 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 Dad. Pray in that funny language. It feels better when you do it. You and I have no idea what God has entrusted to us. And we, we have no idea what we have entrusted to him because we haven't given him much. Cast all your care. God, I can handle this by myself. He says, you think you can, but cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. And when you cast it on him, there ought to be a finite action in which you've thrown it on him and it's done. That experience that we had with the groceries, it carried us through. This was in 1972 when that took place, when we were in the middle of a struggle, believing that and didn't have, we had no idea where we would be at this time in our life. But we got a faith testimony. And at times we were facing opposition and we had to suspend our skepticism. We had to, we had to say, God, you've got this, haven't you? God gave Barbara a word when we got married that, that she's going to have a perfect marriage. It's going to be great. And, um, and then we got married. <laughs> and there was a moment when she was experiencing severe cognitive dissonance because the word was this, but the reality or the experience was this. And she said, she said, I found myself walking down the hallway saying, God, you gave them to me, didn't you? You said it was going to be this way. <sighs> and then she'd go into the bathroom and she'd pray and cry. And God would say, you straighten that out. And he would speak to me. She had said some things that I didn't like. And so I decided, okay, I'll go on one of those moments in which I'll just fast and pray and, and quiet myself and get away from her. And I got in a room and I stayed for three days fasting. And God spoke to me with that attitude. He really did. And I said, God, I'm getting ready to go out and uh, meet with Barbara. I said, is there anything you want me to say to her? She said, he said, yes, tell her that you want her to forgive you. I said, God, um, I'll give you three more days of fasting. Yeah. If... <laughs> If I don't have to do that, I just, he says, you go out and tell her. So when I came out, she said, you okay, honey? I said, yeah, good. She said, did God speak to you? And I said, yes, he did. And so I started telling all those wonderful insights that God had given me while I was there. And um, she said, but did he say anything else to you? 
and I had one more that I could tell her, and then, and then all I had left was what God told me. She said, is that all he said? He didn't say anything else? I said, well, yeah. He, he told me I should ask you to forgive me. She said, he told me he's going to tell you that. <laughs> and I wanted to go back in because I'm now mad with her and with God. I felt betrayed. But what God was saying to her, I've got this. Would you say that, please? But I'm going to give it to God. Because if God's got it, everything is going to be all right. If God has it, even what you can't see is going to be turning the corner in a way that you could never have imagined, never have anticipated. We live in a house we never thought we could live in. We enjoy a life we never thought we could enjoy. We are with people that we never thought we would be with. We are with white folks. You know, I preach the message of racial reconciliation and all my sons marry white girls. <laughs> and I said, I said, what's up with that? He, and they said, well, you preach racial reconciliation. I said, I do, son, I do. We got beautiful grandkids. We have this amazing life that God's given us. But I could not have anticipated living in the projects with holes in my shoes. But your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Is that a bad key? Let me close. I was in Chicago about two months, three months ago, maybe longer than that. It felt like forever. I spoke Saturday morning, Saturday evening, Sunday morning twice, and then Sunday night in a presbytery praying for people prophesying. When when the pastor dismissed the service, I was done. I was fried. I didn't want to say hello to anybody, and I just made my way. I got up, and I ran toward the green room. One guy stopped me. He says, Bishop, do you remember me? 30 years ago, we were in Richmond, Virginia, and I wanted to hit him. And I said, no, I don't remember you. Let me go. And I, I, I pushed on into the green room. And I heard a guy call me. He hit me in the back. He said, Bishop, Bishop, Bishop. And I said, I ain't stopping for nobody. I went into the green room and I sat down. He came into the green room. He said, Bishop, I was calling you. He said, I had something for you. And he handed me an envelope, Bishop. It was, it was like thick with money in it. He wanted to give me some money and I was running from it. I'm saying to you, a lot of you think you're running from somebody who wants to pester you when it's really goodness. Have to running, chasing you down. Goodness was following me and I was trying to outrun it. I want you to tell somebody, whatever you're going through, God's got it. Say it again. Whatever you're going through, I want you to stand with me. All my life you have been faithful. 
All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God How long? All my life sing it All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness Goodness is following you God is saying in so many different ways I've got this Lazar's new wife was rich and beautiful and crazy. But he had no wife at all prior to that. Some of us are walking away from something that God has for you because you can't see goodness in it. Believe that you're in the best place in your life at this time and declare I am a recipient of the goodness of God and begin to give thanks to him for the goodness that he's done. I want you to just lift your hands to him and say, God, I don't want to be like Hezekiah who did not re return the gratitude for the things you've done for him. I want you to just give God thanks for something for a moment. Just thank him. Praise him. If you can remember all that he's done. Just lift your voice and say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, prophetic action. Prophetic action. Hold your hand out like this. And look at something that you think is a big problem. Just see it there. And then just say, God, I'm about to give you something for the last time. Once I give it to you, I will not have any thought concerning it. I will believe that when I do this, I'll be able to say to everybody, God's got this. You ready to do it? On three. One, two, three. Now give him thanks. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.